religious spirit, this, this bit of product that can get into your thinking and change your thinking. It can, can uh, send you off course if you don't think correctly. And it's so important as followers of Christ that we think correctly, that we think kingdomly, that we think like he thinks, as we see as he sees. Otherwise, we can end up going in different directions to the one we're supposed to be following. So it's, it's, uh, it's not just a matter really of just sort of acknowledging him and praying a prayer one day and going, great, I'm in, I'm, I'm going to heaven, I've got my ticket. I love that little uh, that thing there, the ticket. It's, it's more than that, isn't it? It's, it's petitioning, it's actually going after him, it's seeking him with all our heart, all our mind, our soul, our strength, and really coming to a place of sight in our hearts um, that he sees so we can walk into the accuracy because the reality is, you know, just because we're a Christian doesn't really mean we're following Christ. Meaning following Him where He's going. It's because we prayed a prayer uh, one day doesn't mean that we actually are beside Him. We might be stood right here while He's 100 miles away from us. Why? Because you know, we, we can't see what He sees. We don't hear uh, what He hears. And if we look in John 6, we see a passage where it says, Many disciples walked away from Christ. I don't know about you, but that's quite a scary concept. Thinking that the one that we're called to be following, we're walking away from the one that said, come follow me. How does that happen? Because of incorrect thinking. And it's tied in with a passage where he said, you know, if you, if you want to be part of me, you must eat my flesh and drink my blood. And they're like, what on earth? No, wait, that teaching is way too hard. The level of commitment that you're calling me to is just too much. And so they turned, and the thing that got me, it says many disciples, not just a Christian, but a disciple is one like an apprentice who follows the one, the teacher. Those men walked away from him and followed him no more. And we looked at sort of this type of thing, and I just want to take us back to John 4, 34, 35, where we see Jesus saying, he says, you say four months more and the harvest is right, but I say it's right today. You say, he's talking to his disciples, that the harvest is ready in four months' time, but I say it is right today. I say repent, change the way you think, because my kingdom just arrived on earth with me. And so our thinking is important powerful tool our mind is a powerful tool that god has given us but it must be renewed via the spirit because and i got this picture during the two weeks ago and i just sort of saw myself standing there beside christ and i'm picturing myself as a disciple and i'm saying four months more and the thought was this what i think i actually will say and we know the power of words don't we the power of words spoke creation into being. So there's incredible power in words. I can kill a person with my words. I can bring life to a person with my words. So what I think I'm now articulating and what I say I will act upon and what I act upon becomes my reality. So Jesus is going, it's now and he's gone and I'm going, no, it's not, it's four months more. He's off. I'm still stuck right here. And he says, come follow me because I want to make you into my disciples. And there can be this incredible gap now between me and Christ. To me, that concerned me. 
And there are a number of pictures in Scripture where Jesus says to his disciples, can you see? Can you hear? Can you see what I'm trying to show you by feeding these 15,000 people? Or are your hearts still hardened to my reality, to my kingdom, to the fullness of what I've caused come to bring? And so we find ourselves in this tension, this dynamic of acknowledging Christ as our Lord and Saviour, but then actually following Him and following Him to every measure is something else. And revelation is the key. Revelation is the key to a future embraced in Him. But how many people know you can't just get your own revelation? You can't just squeeze it out. No amount of even reading the Word of God can bring you the revelation that we need to be able to see and walk. It's a start, but it, you know we can just spend our whole lives consumed in this book and never receive the revelation of another level of sight doesn't mean we don't read it. Of course we need to read it, but we need to read it with eyes, spirit-led eyes to be able to see and move as he moves. Otherwise, we start saying things that are opposite to him. God has been, in the last year, and especially in the last month, just bringing to life the other side of the red letters, the red words. For those that don't know what I'm talking about, it's those words of Christ. The ifs and the buts. It's a commandment that you love me and love others. Not a good idea, not an option, a commandment that you make disciples. The great commission. For most of the church, it's the great omission. But it's a commandment. It's not, you know, when I'm being with children, you know, and you tell Madeline to do something, whatever, and it's like this, this sort of, nah. I mean, it really cracks me up because she's about this tall and I'm this big and there's this bravado and this... Ah. And I wonder if we're a bit like that with God. He says, you know what, I'm not, I'm not asking you, I'm telling you. There are a whole lot of people out there that need to hear a message that I came and died and I'm not asking you, I'm telling you to go. And we sit and we go, oh, well, I'll think about it. Actually, we say, I'll pray about it. You don't need to pray about it. It's in the Word, we go. Now hear what I'm saying, okay? Pray about it. <laughs> what? <laughs> Can you hear me? I'm not even going to explain that. It's pivotal that we capture the revelation of what God is saying to us because the level of sight we have will determine the future we embrace with God and the inheritance we will or won't receive. Have a listen to this. If I was to tell you that we've all been invited to a wedding ceremony and a wedding feast, and that we are to be preparing ourselves now for these events, would we, one, take this seriously and seek God for the revelation of this and what this means for us if this isn't our current revelation of sight? The Bible says that he intentionally has concealed matters. He has intentionally hidden stuff in his word. Is that the God that we worship? Is that the God that we follow? What? Yeah, it says that he's actually hidden stuff and it says those who are like a king, those who have a heart to posture and go come after me, those who are in love with me, 
will actually want to hang out with me. And as they hang out with me and start asking questions, I will give them greater levels of revelation, greater gold. And as they find the gold in the field, do you know what they do? They go and sell everything they had and then go buy a field. Because the revelation of what's just been discovered is so overwhelmingly powerful that it transforms you. When I met Jesus 13 years ago, the revelation was so powerful, it literally changed who I was and continues to. I went into my workplace at 10 o'clock as one person. At one second past 10, I left. I was someone else. And I didn't read that in a book. It was an engagement, an interaction with this person called Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ says, you know what? I've actually hidden, I've concealed truth, gold, for you, not from you. Massive shift, for you, not from you. But it doesn't just arrive on a plate. You've got to come after me. Those who would cry out to me. It says, if you would ask, seek, and knock, you'll find. And it says, how much more will the Father in heaven pour out on his kids? How much more? How much more do you want him? How much more do you want from him? Meaning not what he can give to you, but just knowing him. How much more will a father give his kids? I know I want to give my kids the world. God wants to give us the world. He wants to give us his dominion. He wants to give us his righteousness. He wants to give us his, every part of his son. And his son said, it is finished. Walk in my fullness of what I died for you encounter. But it's through revelation of the spirit that it will come. Amen? Whew. See, this is the day I was supposed to bring this because I tried to bring this for the last three weeks and he just kept shifting me on it. So I'm glad he's given me the green light and didn't whisper anything in my ear. Listen to this. A greater revelation of God's truth defines you, changes you, realigns you. It straightens you. Do you know what? God is straightening up the church today. He's straightening her because she's out of kilt. And he's pulling it. And you know what? When he straightens it, it hurts. Doesn't it? We are going from glory to glory to glory, the Bible says. And that God's kingdom is advancing one way. It's not going backwards. Which means if you've got eyes to see and ears to hear, and he starts to straighten you up, it actually hurts. It's supposed to because we're lopsided a little bit. But as he starts to straighten his church up, and it's exactly what he's doing to receive a king that's coming, a church that's postured in position and accurate to be able to see it and hear it and will live a life according to the picture, the glory of God will just come more forth through us as individuals. But it hurts a little bit. I counsel you to buy from me gold that has been refined through a fire, through a process, through a trial. I mean, I probably know more than any of you what Johnny and Bex have been going through and walking through with them and asking the questions. But you know what? They found gold in the process. As they've let go of money and stuff and, and just gone, I don't know, but here I am. Now that's the best place to be, naked in front of him. Not literally, but naked in a sense of vulnerable. When you, you are there, all your stuff, and you're just in front of him. Here I am. 
who I am. Here I am in front of you completely. Lost if I don't have you. Helpless because I know I can't do it. Every time God calls you to do something that's bigger than yourself, you know he's in it with you. If it's something you can do, he's not in it. He calls you to something that's totally out of your ability to do it in the natural. And that's what he's done with these guys. And he wants to do it with every single one of us. You know, I, I love them. They'll hear this. They're not special. They're just followers of Christ like us. Every single one of us has this inheritance. But we must seek him for a greater revelation of who he is. It says, if you would maintain in my word, if you stay in my word, you would know truth and truth would set you free. We throw that round like it's a lolly water, lolly wrapper, sort of like wheat bix packet thing. You know what? If you know the truth, it'll set you free. But the church on a mass isn't that looking that free. I don't know. If that was the case, certainly we would be a, a bigger place. We'd, 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 we'd shine more. See, there's a difference between knowing about it and knowing it. And it's a promise. If you know Christ, truth, it will set you free. It's Once again, it's not an option. It's the king commanding his truth. It's a promise. But you've got to be able to see that and hear it and know what he's talking about through revelation. Yes, it will. Because I know you. Don't just know about you. I've encountered you, the person through a supernatural experience. John 3.27 A man can only receive what's given him from heaven. Something that's life-changing can only come from outside of you, inside of you. We don't love God because of us. We love God because he put love in us. Don't we? And I want to look at today, how do you... How can you place yourself to receive more revelation? What, is the, what are the things that we can actually do to help? Knowing that we can't actually take a pill. I'm taking these fish oil pills at the moment for my knees. I got the good news when I went to see the knee specialist because I'm thinking about having a knee operation. I'm believing that God's going to heal it, but I'm, I'm doing both. I'm putting both eggs in the basket. <laughs> and I'm going after the healing first, but I'm... God just said, go and check it out. So I go to see the knee specialist. He says, man, you've got knees the age of a 75-year-old, an 80-year-old because of the knee problems I've had and the arthritis and stuff. So I'm on these fish oil pills <laughs> trying to help with the lubrication and that sort of stuff. But you know what? At the end of the day, I can't take a pill and just really, it's, it's not going to fix the problem. You can't just take a pill and boom, I get revelation. It'd be good, wouldn't it? How many people know you'd make millions in the church if you could do that? <laughs> Here's the blue pill. Just take this and you'll know Jesus more. He intentionally sets it up in a way that it's almost a bit like a labyrinth. That you've got to move your way and follow the Spirit and hear what He's saying and move through it. And so, how can we help ourselves? But how do we also, how can we shut it down? Because I believe we can do some things which shut down Revelation as well through wrong thinking and, and wrong understanding of not knowing how God has created his kingdom to be built upon. So I'm going to read this passage really fast because it's quite long. So it's in Luke 2, uh, starts in verse 21. So while you're doing that, I'm going to have a drink and I'm going to speed read. Luke 2, 21. Give me a yell when we're there. 
If you're new with us it's in the, or a new follower, it's in the New Testament. It's the third book in, in the New Testament. My page is 1430. <laughs> Don't know if that helps. <laughs> All right, here we go. The title is Jesus Presented at the Temple. And when eight days had passed before his circumcision, his name was then called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days for their purification according to the law of Moses were completed, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to carry out for him the custom of the Lord, then he took him into his arms and blessed God and said, Now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And his father and mother were amazed at the things which were being said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel and for a sign to be opposed. And a sword will pierce even your own soul. That's pretty good. Mm, deep, eh? To the end that thoughts from many hearts will be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Usher. He was advanced in years and had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, serving night and day with fastings and prayers. At that very moment she came up and began giving thanks to God and continued to speak of him to all those who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. When they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own city of Nazareth. The child continued to grow and become strong, increasing in wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Verse 41. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he became 12, they went up there according to the custom of the feast. And as they were returning, after spending the full number of days, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. But his parents were unaware of it, but supposed him to be in the caravan and went a day's journey and they began looking for him among their relatives and acquaintances. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem looking for him. Then after three days, they found him in the temple. It would be pretty horrific, wouldn't it? As a parent, where's this boy gone? (laughs) Sitting in the midst, this is a key, he was sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. When they saw him, they were astonished as his parents. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us this way? Behold, your father and I have been anxiously looking for you. And he said to them, Why is it that you were looking for me? Did you not know that I would be in my father's house? 
We're going to touch on this. But they did not understand the statement which he had made to them. See, they're a little bit like the guys, the disciples in, in, in John. I say four months more. Sorry, you say four months more. I say now. Jesus said, did you not know where I'd be? Where else would I be? In my father's house. And she's going, what do you mean? Joseph's your father. No, I'm in my father's house. They did not understand what he was talking about. Why? Because they couldn't see from divine perspective yet. They didn't understand what he was saying. He brought another kingdom. And we're going to get look at a bit of this. And he went down to them. And listen, this is, this is, this is awesome. because, And he went down with them. Here he is, Christ, God, seeing everything, having this divine perspective, and he submits himself under his mum and dad again, even though he, he can see all this stuff. I think it's a beautiful picture of God himself. You know, It's like, I'm going to come down so you can lift you up to see my thing. I'm not just going to stay at this level and go, huh. Now, I'll come under, I'm going to honour my mother and father like the Bible teaches, even though I, I can see all this stuff. And he continued to subject, subjection to them, another key, and his mother treasured all these things in her heart. See, she didn't understand it in her head. She didn't understand what he was saying here. But there was something about what he was saying that she wanted to hold in her heart. And sometimes what you might hear across this pulpit, you might not understand it in your head. It might be a different perspective from what your perspective is. It may have greater sight than what you're currently seeing. And the choice is we can either write it off and go, no, that's not my reality, or we can petition for it. We can actually go, okay, that's different than what I currently see. And maybe instead of getting maybe a little bit defensive or going, oh, I'm a loser, I'm hopeless, I'm useless, I'm not that type of Christian, we go, I want that. I want to see that. In fact, I'm actually going to get sort of aggressive a little bit, like like it says that the kingdom of God is advancing by violent men, and grab hold of it and go after it. Because it's for me. And it's my inheritance. And I want to steward it in my heart for the sight to come and hit my head, which is a renewed mind. We've looked at this, heart, soul, mind, strength. Look, where heart is, look, where mind is, it's a divine order in which God works. Why? Because the heart is the spiritual. It comes in through the spirit, the heart. It goes to the emotions of a person. It's life. God's word changes you, transforms you before it ever hits your head. Then it hits your head, the mental, but now it's been transformed, renewed. It's a living word that then activates in you going out, which is your strength, which is physical. Are you with me? Am I confused? Am I confused? You <laughs> And she's holding this thing in her heart because it hasn't yet dropped to her head. You see, they're really excited, aren't they, about this prophetic word. He's eight days old. Imagine having an eight-day-old, here we go, daughter. And this man Simeon comes and he says, this, this is baby is the redemption of Israel and the world. 
And they get incredibly excited about this word. It says they were amazed at their, what was happening about their son. But see, when the reality of that word, now actually they're confronted with it, and the reality of this baby living kingdomly actually starts to come against them, what do they do? They actually rebuke him. Where were you? Their response is, don't you know about us? How can you do this to us? And he's like, I'm just fulfilling the plan that God has for me. Are you hearing what I'm trying to say? Because it's a massive point. When the kingdom of God, actually you're confronted with the reality of it to change, you'll do two things. You'll either allow the change or you'll rebuke it. You'll refute it. And you won't enter into another level or another sphere that God is trying to take you to because you need the revelation of it. And it's interesting, their response. You see, we're happy for God to do a new thing as long as he does it the old way. True. We're happy to God do a new thing, change it up, but as long as you do it the way I always want you to do it. Sandra shared this morning about how we are being formed into its image. This whole thing that we've signed up for is about change. It's about transition. It's about journeying. It's never about staying in one place. If it is, there's something wrong with that. And the revelation river revolution revelation is the key to the journey, to continue to go on to a greater depth of understanding. I don't know about you guys, but we're fully going to walk and follow Christ. It says it's a narrow pathway, and the, the more you walk, the harder it gets, and the less you can bring with you. And you can stay at a set level, or uh, you know, we've, we've talked about Mount Everest, and that's okay. You're saved, you're in this thing, it's good, it's okay. But do you want more? How much more? How much more? He screamed, how much more do we want? And um, the first point, he's got another two hours. <laughs> Place yourself in the right environment with the right people to receive. Verse 46 says this, Then after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teacher's both listening to them and asking them questions. It's imperative we place ourselves in the right environment if we're going to receive around the right people, people that are seeing, people that are hearing, people that are maybe a little bit more advanced than we are in the kingdom without us feeling insecure, without us feeling like, I don't know, oh, you know, place yourself under people. That's a foreign concept, isn't it? Submission. We don't submit to anyone but Jesus, but that's not how the kingdom is designed. So yeah, submit yourself to Christ, but at the same time we need to submit ourselves to people and receive from them. Receiving from Him and others because God works through people, doesn't He? He's divine, He can do anything, but He also partners with people. In fact, He subjects Himself to man. And in our world, we hate that type of thinking, but it's how the kingdom operates. The centurion said, I'm a man under authority and I have men under me. And Jesus went, incredible faith. You see how this thing works. It's a theocracy. It's not a democracy. You don't get a say. It's do it. 
I'm not saying man should treat you like that, but I'm trying to say that's how the kingdom works. It's a commandment. And we need to place ourselves in the right environments and positions to receive. A few years ago, I remember God speaking to me about Danielle and my relationship. Before we started going, seeing each other dating, he just said, this is a girl that I want you to marry. Got the word. I heard the word. It was clear. We started going on a, on a journey of, of you know, friendship and then discovering that. And, and I mean, we started going out and, I don't know, we've been going out for about sort of three or four months and she just came to me and said, look, I don't think this is right. I don't think this is, is, is going to work, you know. And I said, oh, wow. I said, man, you know, I'm sure I heard accurately. And so I said, well, okay, if that's what you think, I can't force that, you know. And I just went to God and I said, God, I said, you know, what's going on? He said this to me. He said, I want you to meet me down the waterfront. It was a Monday, Monday night. I want you to meet me down there. I'm going to speak. I'm like, okay. Heard that clearly. Went down the waterfront. I'm positioning myself. I'm in the right environment because he told me to go. Then to my natural, I'm going, waterfront? What, at night, Monday night? What didn't help was it was pouring with what was sort of like raining off and on. It was freezing. It was windy. But I want to be obedient to this word I've heard and place myself in the environment to receive. So I'm there, 9 o'clock. It's black. I'm under a little little lamp sort of thing, you know, like a light, street light, waiting. How dodgy did it look? There's a guy with a beanie on with a big jacket and a rug with this big fat book on his lap. People walking past and I could hear people laughing and talking and saying some things. And I thought, look at this nutter. Nothing. What are you going to say? Am I going to see it in the stars? Am I going to see Danielle is the one for you? No. I thought maybe the building with the Christmas lights would light up her name or her face and I go, ah, I got it. Nothing. I'm freezing. My nose is going cold. The wind, I'm going, come on, God, I'm tempted. I want to just open the book and go, mm. don't do that. So I'm there an hour and a half. It's about 11 o'clock. And I'm sitting there and I just see these three people at the corner of my eye coming towards me. And they stop behind me about 20 metres away. I can hear them talking, sort of laughing. And then they moved on. 30 seconds later, this chap comes up to me. These, I didn't realise it was these three people, but these three people come up to me. They come up from behind me and they say, um, what are you doing out here? I'm like, and they said, oh, are, you, are, you a, are you a Christian? I said, um, yep. I said, well, how do you know? I said, Bit of a giveaway with the big Bible there, bro, on your lap. <laughs> he said, um, I said, yeah, he said, so are we. I said, we go to a community in Auckland. He said, I saw you standing, uh, sitting here, but I just said, what on earth are you doing out of this? It's raining, it's windy, it's cold. What are you doing? I said, I'm just, I, God, I said, this will sound weird, but I've broken up with my girlfriend. I believe that God spoke to me about it. She's saying the opposite. He's told me to come down here and he's got an answer for me. He looked at me like, okay. And then as clear as anything, I hear, not audibly, but in my heart, ask him his name. It was as clear as I've just said it. I'm like, what? Ask him his name. Okay, I've got nothing to lose. 
I said, I asked them, sorry, their names. I said, what are your names? And I remember this to the day. The, daughter said, the, the girl said, I'm Rachel. The boy said, I'm Michael. And the father said, I'm Peter. And as soon as I heard Peter, it was just like this, you know, like a matrix. The book of Peter. That's where I've got to read. And I looked at him and I just started to laugh. I don't know if you thought I was really nutty by this stage. He's like sort of, he said, what are you laughing at? I said, I've been sitting here now for two hours. I'm cold, I'm wet, I'm damp, I'm feeling miserable. And I've been asking God where he wants me. And you guys come along and, I, and then God tells me right there, he says, ask you your names, you tell me your names. And he's just told me to go read the book of Peter. And he's like, isn't that awesome? I said, it's awesome. You know? and, he said, and he said, well, do you know what? I said, well, he says, we were standing behind you for about a minute. I said, yeah, I thought I could hear it. He said, and I was saying to my kids, I feel like I need to go and say hi to that guy. But my kids were like, nah, Dad, he's a nutter. Look, he's probably some freak. We don't want to go anywhere near him. And he's like, no, nah, no, nah, I really think God's the Holy Spirit's like saying, go talk to that guy. No, 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 let's go. And so we walked off. And I got about 20 metres down the road, and as clear as in the Holy Spirit said, go back and speak to that guy. He said, that was it. So here I am. They left. I stayed. I opened the book of Peter and God spoke to me clearly about this relationship. Why? Because I positioned myself to receive when I heard his voice. And I want to say to you today, if God has spoken to you and you know that you know that you know that you know about a word, whatever that may look like, and your reality isn't yet that word. Do not waver in unbelief, but hold on to that word. Because it doesn't matter what the reality looks like. It didn't look like it was coming back together. And it is back together, isn't it? It is, eh, babe? <laughs> for that word to become a promise, for it to become your reality. Because in the gap is faith. And so position yourself to receive. I'm just going to go to one. I'm just going to shorten this up. So that's one way. Okay, The way we can actually block revelation. Which one do I want to pick? A familiar spirit can blind you to the grace and call on a person so we don't value what they bring. I'm going to read that again. A familiar spirit. One of the ways you shut Revelation down because God uses people is a familiar spirit can blind you to the grace and call on a person so we don't value what they bring. Familiarity brings contempt, doesn't it? You see, it's fascinating how the people that didn't know Christ were amazed at what he was saying. Weren't they? See, they were amazed. Who is this? Yet his mum and dad who knew him, they got a whole different approach. They walk up and go, where have you been? But the other guys are going, who is this kid? The knowledge that he has, the wisdom that he has, the questions that he answers, the understanding, who is he? And they're like, where have you been? We'll be looking everywhere for you. Don't you understand us? And he goes, I'm only in my father's house. Chill out. 
Why? Because they couldn't see. They were too familiar with him. They were too close to him. You know, if you go to Luke 4.18, you see Jesus and it's where the, the Word of God hasn't been spoken for about 400, 450 years. They haven't heard from God. And Jesus gets up in the temple and he grabs a scroll and he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach good news. And he goes through this, this scroll, which is Isaiah. And if you read that, you'll see they start, the people start actually coming alive. These people that have been waiting, these religious people, these Pharisees, these scribes who have been waiting, they actually start to come alive in the word that's spoken, this prophetic word that has life and spirit. It's not just dead religion, it's life and spirit. And they start coming alive and then all of a sudden, bang, they go, hold on a minute, that's the carpenter. And it shuts everything down. That's just Jesus. He almost had us, Simon. He almost had me. Did you hear the words he was saying? Man, were you gripped? Listen to what the Bible says. So all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And then they said, Oh, is this not Joseph's son? Nah, he almost got us, guys. He almost had a four. That's right, it's just, the, it's just Jesus. And we do exactly the same thing. We do exactly the same thing with God and we do exactly the same thing with people. Why? Because we look at the personality. We look at maybe the, the traits or the, the good parts, the not so good parts and we don't see the grace gift that's on the person who's going to release this gift into an atmosphere that we can all sit under and receive from. And God has intentionally built his kingdom this way. He says there are these five gifts that he gives to some people. And when those five gifts are used to build, guess what happens to God's people? They actually come to this thing called unity of faith. They actually come to the full realization of who the Christ is the full knowledge, and the people get raised to a perfect man. It's where the body becomes the body, like it functions like the body. And there is grace, power, on certain people that God has put over his church to bring this reality. They're not better than anyone else. They're no better they're no better than a, you know, and this is where we've got to change the way we think, guys, because we look at people, you know, we go, oh, you know, they've made it because they're on the speaking. No. And we look, they, we, we somehow go, oh, they must be better than the person who's, I can see, doing dishes and the thing. No. In the kingdom, there are no levels of, a th- you know what I'm saying, no, there's no levels of bitterness or whatever that word is. But God has given grace, power for it to be released into and over us. But we can be so familiar with people, we don't even acknowledge it, and then we reject what's said because it's not our reality. But it's their reality. And where's a beautiful illustration of what God's trying to get us to see, you know, my goodness, this man who spoke spirit and life that brought a change, and they almost got it. But now they look and go, no, no, that's right. You're just Jesus. His own family didn't get him. Mark 3.21. It 
It's another story. When his family heard about this, it's when he was in the house and the men brought a, a crippled man and they couldn't get into the house. They went to take charge of him, for they said, he's out of his mind. Matthew thirteen fifty eight. And they took offense at him, but Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and in his own household. And he did not do many miracles there. Why? Because of their unbelief. Not because of him, but because they looked and went, you're from this place. You're from Nazareth. I know you. I grew up with you. I know your mum. I know your dad. I know your brothers. You're not this guy that they talk about has been doing all the healing. I saw you lose it the other day with this person. I saw you do that. I know, who you, I know your faults. No. See, God has given us these gifts. And they're a gift, not something you earn. They're a gift. You don't earn gifts, do you? So whatever the gift that you have is needs to be here and working and building the body. He gives some to be these five gifts, pastor, teacher, apostle, evangelist, prophet. And then there are all these other gifts that he gives. And together, combined, the fullness of God of the Spirit is released. Isn't that good news? Listen to Ephesians 4.7. But to each one of us, grace has been given according to the measure of Christ's gift. That word grace, it's it's power. So it's not the grace that we all receive, the same grace from him dying on the cross. It's not that grace. Paul said, I've had love, faith and grace poured out on me in abundance. And look what the man did. He had through a revelation of the Christ Galatians 1.11, he said, this gospel wasn't taught to me by man. It was revealed to me through a direct encounter with him. And when that happened, he poured out on me an abundance of faith, love, and grace. And those very things are the things that caused that man to become who he was. God-given gift. God saw what he had for him and empowered him to do the work. And when that man turned up and sat and released the power on him, things shifted. I'm not just about words, I'm about power. It's genuine power. I had this awesome conversation with Debbie and when Ingrid was up here two weeks ago or three weeks ago speaking, she said, you know what, when I sat under, she was just, once again, it wasn't what she said, but it was this grace that was on her was released and Debbie was praying for people and just getting pictures like this as she went along for different people. This prophetic picture was just flowing through her for everyone that was there that she encountered. Why? Because of this grace gift that when it is released into the atmosphere, you can minister under it and you capture it as well. That's the whole point of it. So the body gets built. And so we must both submit under that and above that and lose this thinking that I'm not submitting to any man. Because of whatever reason, maybe, and this is where it's so sad, because maybe, you know, someone has had that and abused that for us in the past. And so where we need to come under and submit to others, we don't, because I tried that and I got burnt because the person took off and did their own thing. They were just power hungry. 
And so we walk away from sitting under that, which means we walk away from receiving the grace. And that's why it's so hard to walk. We're going to walk that plumb line of truth and walk in the middle of understanding that there are these five gifts and on this side there are these gifts and together in the middle, intertwined, is how we walk together. I've got heaps more to say, but I'm going to finish it there. Go and have a look at that passage. Luke 2, 21 to 52. And just have a look and, and, and see some of the things that, that are happening. Look at the attitude of mum and dad compared to the attitude of Christ. I love how he comes back with a question. See, the question they should have said with this, instead of saying, where have you been? They should have said, what are you seeing? Tell us what you're seeing. See, they were more self-centered than God-centered. Their reality was too much about them yet and not about him. And we can be no different. Are we God-centered or self-centered? Because when you're God-centered, the kingdom and its priorities and values are a whole different ballgame. You see, the woman that came to Christ and lavished on him, it says this, it says, her deed, what she did, would be remembered when the gospel is preached. And I spoke about this on Wednesday night. So 2,000 years going forward, she has been mentioned, not what she did, not her, but what she did, her deed. And Christ said, oh my goodness, look at the deed. We've got to write this down. What was it? She was one of the very few people in this entire book that actually came with something to give him instead of everyone else going, give me. And God went, holy moly, write this down because I want everyone that's going forward to see this and be aligned to being God-centered like she was because when you're God-centered, it's always about Him and it's never about you. But revelation is the key to understanding that reality and having your eyes lifted and seeing him in the fullness of who he is. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you for today. I want to thank you for these great people. I want to thank you, Lord, that we need to see you more. We need a greater level of sight. We need a greater level of revelation in our hearts, Lord. We need to know you more. And whether we're starting that journey today or whether we've been on it for a number of years, I pray, God, that we would place ourselves in the right environments. I pray, God, we would ask the right questions and we would actively listen like your son did. I pray, God, that you would show us when to ask a question and when to act, when to just be obedient to what you're telling us to do. I pray, God, that we would no longer carry or have in us a familiarized spirit, looking at people just in their natural, but seeing who they are in you, seeing the gifts that are on them and respecting those gifts and sitting under those gifts, Lord, as individuals and as a body. And I pray, God, as we move forward as a community, because you want us all to move forward together 
as one community, no one being left behind, everybody entering into the promised land. God, I pray that we would be God-centred, not man-centred. I don't want to be like Judas that said, what's in it for me if I sell him out to you for 30 silver coins? Those Judas spirit words, Lord, of what's in it for me? No, I want to bring you an offering, God. I want to bring you, I want my life to be a sacrifice, my life to be an offering, that I would always come to you with thanksgiving and praise and, and, and bring with me something to give you because of who you are. Lord, you did enough for me, 10 trillion times at the cross if I never received anything from that point on it doesn't matter it shouldn't matter what you did that day for me was enough for 10 million lifetimes Father and Lord I pray that revelation would grab hold of us today and that we would come into this environment into our life groups into our workplaces with an attitude of giving an attitude of appreciation an attitude of going you know what here I am and I want to lavish over Jesus because of the love that he's given me I want to lavish over people People because you are, you said to me, you know, you said in your word, God, that, that um, feed the poor and heal the sick. And, and when did you see me? When did you see me when I did this work? It's because when, when I reached out to those that were people. And so, God, I pray today and I, I pray for the spirit of revelation to fall. I pray during the week and in the weeks going on, we would go after it, we would, we would petition ourselves for it. And we would not be comfortable where we are today. And be apathetic and just be mediocre. Lord, you died that that we would live a life worthy of the calling of Jesus. And so, Lord, we ask this in the name of your Son. I thank you for our guests here today and our visitors as we continue to build your kingdom here at the Rock and serve a world that so desperately needs this message. In Jesus' name, amen.